Oi, gente! Olá! Oi! Olá. Hello, and welcome to the Book and Conversation Club podcast. Eu sou a Gabi, e no episódio de hoje você vai conferir um monte de gente completamente surtada por uma história. A gente conversou com a Denise Williams, autora de The Fastest Way to Fall, que foi um dos livros que mais mexeu com a gente no clube esse ano. Eu espero que vocês curtam esse bate-papo e lembrem, se vocês quiserem participar de qualquer encontro com a gente, é só entrar em contato e fazer a sua matrícula. Hi, welcome. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Great to be here. Good to see your faces. We are really, really excited to talk about this book. We are all crazy about it. Um, So I'm going to let the girls ask the questions. Uh, I'm just going to moderate for a little bit. And then we have a few games to play if you're up for it. Um, yeah. So let's get started. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I can go. <laughs> um, I, well, I said I could go and now I forgot the question I wanted to ask. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Hi, Denise. I'm Laís. Um, We really, really love this book, and it's like unanimous here. Um, <laughs> we were joking before how we all fell so fast for it. <laughs> In you just the title <laughs> so much. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit um, about uh, Brit's development because um, we were saying how we. I don't know. I just see myself in her a lot. And it's a book that I, we could just relate to it really fast. And I wanted to ask a little bit about uh, how did you build um, the insecurities uh, she has towards being a fat woman? Because uh, it's shown that she loves herself. And when she's just thinking with herself, she loves herself. And her family loves her so much. And we were talking about how in many books, when we see a plus size woman, there's always a little bit of tension within the family, like a mother who wants her to be thinner or, and they quite love that her insecurities don't come from that. Her family loves her and it's not even a topic to be discussed. And we see a lot of it through Ben. I don't know. I just wanted if you could develop a little bit more. How was that process for you? Yeah, um, I credit some very smart friends. So um, <laughs> I first I work at a university. I work with college students. And when I first got the idea for this book, I was um, it was with the students and we were making them do this activity on like self-reflection and meditation, which I actually hate, but I was playing along since I was in charge. And so um, we asked the students to think about a time they felt strong. And I thought about being at the gym and um, like just crushing like a really good workout and doing better than the person next to me, even though they did not know we were competing and were probably mm -hmm. in their 70s. Um, like, you mm -hmm. know, I just felt like that moment of you know, what would it be like to fall in love in that moment where you felt so strong? And so that's where the book came from. And that's where I started writing it from. Um, and, and candidly, like a lot of Britta is, is me. Um, she's healthier than me, like in her outlook, but, um, like a lot of those insecurities, I kind of just thought about like, 
what's my experience? Like, what are my different experiences that I've had? But early on, she did have like some conflict with her family. Like her mom and her sister were, you know, pushing her to work out more and lose some weight and things like that. And, and there were a lot more moments where those like external messages were felt more internally in my early drafts. And then I had my very smart friends read it and they actually, you know, they asked me some questions that made me think about, well, why does she have to have somebody in her family who's or encouraging her to lose weight, even if it's supportively? Like for me, that felt so natural and normal. But then somebody said, well, why does that have to be? And it made me think about like, well, why does it have to be? And it doesn't. And I took it out. Um, and there were some other spots. Like there's a scene I love where she's in her underwear and she's standing in front of the mirror, a little drunk. And she's like, I'm going to look, okay. I'm going to look at myself like naked in the mirror before the internet like judges me. And she points out all these things she loves about herself. And that used to be a scene that was a little bit more like, here's things I love, but here are things I hate. And I love my boobs, but I hate my stomach and I love my thighs, but I don't like, but like, it was much more, um, a balance of positive and negative. And my friend Cass Newbold was like, well, what if she just saw things she liked when she looked at the mirror? And that was another moment where I was like, oh, people do that. Like, I don't do that. Like, but people do that. And she could. And I love that scene now. It's one of my very favorites. Um, And so that, you know, that's a lot of how her development came to be. So it started with a lot of my own experiences. And I can talk about those, some of those later, if you have questions, but um, then it was, uh, I had a lot of people read it. A lot of people who are fat, a lot of people who work out a lot um, for Wes, like folks who've had his family dynamics and just kind of give me their perspective because no, you know, there is no like quintessential fat person story. Like none of us have the same story with our bodies, but to get like these different takes and to figure out what would make sense for this person, because I always knew that she loved herself. Like it was never going to be about, I hate myself and I need to change for a guy or for something else. Um, and so my friends really kind of helped me craft that message and get her to where she is now, where I'm like, dang, I want to be like, Brina. like <laughs> yeah. and, and I, ha- you know, like I picked up some of those things a little bit, like since writing the book, like I look in the mirror and I'm much less critical of my own body. Like I still know the things I don't love, but I also can really see the things I adore. Um, and those are what stand out to me when I stand in front of my own mirror now. And that probably wasn't the case before I wrote the book. Um, so Um, long answer to a short question. That's kind of how she came to be. Um, Another funny story. I love Wes. I I loved writing Wes from the beginning and I I poured everything into Wes. And then I showed the book to my earliest readers and they were like, we love Wes. He's great. The story's fun. Britta is a robot. (laughs) I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Because I put everything into Wes since I had to go back and give Britta like a personality and friends. (laughs) She was just like hanging out falling in love (laughs) all by herself. And that clearly is not where the book ended. So that was um, a long iterative process, but that's where it ended up. For me, at least as someone who's also fat, I think that what I loved the most and what I related the most with Brita is that most of the times when we have like a plus size heroine in romance books, they fall into like either of two categories, either they have like, all these insecurities and you know the book is all about them you know overcoming them or getting thin which is very problematic or they are about like this very secure um women who have like no insecurities at all 
And they're like always, no, I'm great. I'm perfect. I have no problems. And I could never really like relate to any of those because I was like, no, I don't hate myself, but I'm like not a hundred percent secure all the time. Like there are some moments that are, you know, some insecurities going on. And with Brit, that was like, oh yeah, that's, that's it. Like I love myself, but sometimes I doubt it. So sometimes I have, you know, to have someone reminding me that, you know, I'm beautiful or that I'm strong. So I really, really loved it. I really loved how, how she was developed or how she, you know, ended up being. So thank you for writing her. And I I love that too, because I feel the same way when I read books, I read these like super confident fat women and they never think twice about their body. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like, I don't think I can write that. I have no idea how to write that because that's just never been my experience. I know that's real for people, but mm-hmm. that's for me never been my experience. And so that's kind of like with my my first book takes a different bent on that. But um, you know, just looking at like how all these external things around us shape our internal dialogue. And then how do we make that dialogue our own is so powerful, I think, especially for women. Um, when we can kind of own own those external messages and how they affect us and just, you know, be critical about that. Um, there's so much power in that, I think. Yeah. All right. Good. Okay. Who's next? Uh, I can go. Okay. Uh, hi, Denise. Uh, nice to meet you. Um, I have uh, two questions about the writing process. Um, yeah. The first one, it's about the getting the topics in this book because um, Britain West have serious and heavy issues in their luggage, in their baggage, and emotionally talking. Mm-hmm. And it still manage be light and not only with each other, but with all people in general. They are so uh, empathic and... Um, cute and lovely with everyone, even with uh, Ben and Kelsey. And, <laughs> uh, and my question is about um, the, um, the balance. Mm-hmm. Um, what the most difficult part to write these characters with this baggage in the same time, they are so um, cute with each other, and despite everything, how it's for you write these characters in this 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 form you you made it. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I think about my background, my, my uh, bachelor's degree is in psychology and I have a PhD in education. And so part of it, I think, is just observing people and studying people for a long time. Um, and so um, and th- this was true in my first book, too. But it's thinking about all of us have like heavy stuff that we've dealt with in our lives or that we are dealing with or that we are healing from or that we are currently living in. Like, you know, I think everybody has something going on in their past or their current And so um, what I really try to think about when I'm writing the characters and then in in figuring out what that balance is, is when, when do those external pieces take over other things? 
you know, cause we all have those moments. Like, um, my job can be very heavy, like working with students and like responding to mental health crisis and things like that. Um, and so like yesterday I'm trying to edit my, my third book, which is right here, which is due next week. And I'm also, you know, calling the police to have a student hospitalized, like, you know, at a certain point, like the heavy stuff takes over. And so in thinking about like building the characters, that's their personalities. Like Wes is, you know, how he grew up. He wants to take care of people. He's got a little bit of a superhero complex. Um, he tries to kind of, you know, be kind and be nice. And, and those are the way he's kind of shaped. And so that's his dominant personality. And it's when like, he's in the hospital with his mom when he can't like bury the heavy stuff, when that kind of comes up. And I think for him and that character, it was just thinking about how has this character buried his feelings? Cause he definitely has. Um, and when is he unable to do that? And so that's kind of when the writing changes a little, not the writing, but like the character changes a little bit. And Britta, I don't think she really buries her feelings. It's just, and the heavier stuff for her, I think is, is like this thing happened and then it comes to light more quickly for her. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's just kind of marrying that knowledge I have of psychology and just observing people and kind of just working through it to see when does it feel natural that this person would, would crack. Um, and then also, you know, like in what situations might that heavier stuff shape what we do. And so again, like for Wes, I think it's a little clear with Wes, like, he has, he has abandonment issues. He has neglect issues. He's got a lot of issues. And I'm really happy he ends up in therapy at the end of the book, because I think we all probably need to be in therapy. Um, but um, for him, a lot of that defense is, is hiding that. And so I also loved kind of being able to show their relationship grow with when they trust each other, kind of with the harder stuff and with the darker stuff, um, particularly him. And I, I don't think I never get that on the first draft. I never get that on the third draft. Like usually by the time I finish the book, that is pretty clean. Um, but I just kind of write the characters how I think they're going to be without thinking about it too much on the front end. And then when I go to edit, I take a little closer look at how are those emotional wounds kind of playing out? How do they shape it? Um, and so that's kind of how the played out in this book in, um, in my first book and how to felt flirting the hair. If you've read that one, the heroine is a survivor of domestic um, violence. And so, um, if you're going to read that one, definitely check content warnings because there's some heavier content in that one, but for her, she's healing. Like she hasn't processed any of that yet. And so she's still having like this flirty moment and the silly jokes and the banter and the good sex, but she also has trauma. And so that comes up at different times and it shapes like how she reacts or it maybe shapes how she processes something or where she experiences fear, but it doesn't stop her from having the banter and the fun and the cute moments. And I think that's true of Britta and Wes too. And, and I think true of all of us, like we get to be healing from something and still hopefully have good sex and good banter and all of those things if we want them. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm a psychology too, so okay, it's, great. It helps. <laughs> it's nice to hear. <laughs> uh, my other question it's about the the formats in this book because we have um, email and posts in social media and message and um, and uh, how it's writing all those formats and 
balance everything. Yeah, you know, sometimes those were easier to write, actually, because um, like I spent half my life writing emails and text messages <laughs> and social media posts. And so in some ways that was really easy to write. Um, I really love writing text exchanges or they start with the email exchanges um, because I think that's so such a common way of how we communicate. And there's some uncertainty and nuance and so like emojis help and things like that. But it's, it's just straight dialogue. You don't have to write all of the other stuff. And I love writing dialogue. So in some ways, um, I think that the texting conversations are maybe my favorite thing to write. There's a lot of them in my next book too, um, which is just clear that I love to write them. Um, the social media posts actually um, were not in my first drafts. So I, um, when I was building out Britta and my friends so kindly told me she was a robot, I realized we weren't really getting um, in the context of her love story with Wes, we weren't getting her story about her kind of journey to strength. Like that wasn't as much part of it. And so that's when I added all the social media posts and kind of that idea of breaking the, I don't know if it's exactly breaking the fourth wall, but you know, that's where it's not about the love story at all. She's not talking about the love story, even though there's some references, it is really just her chance to talk directly to the audience. And I love the idea of that to just show her personality, but also to work in some of the issues like that I wanted to talk about and some of the humor, like she does a whole bit about like big boobs and <laughs> issues that you run into when you have big boobs. That was a fun, like I crowdsourced that from Twitter. Um, not that I don't know those things myself, um, but to talk about like owning and saying, like when she talks about saying, um, I'm hot. And the first time I said like, I'm hot. And I realized it wasn't a joke or um, owning the word fat or like those harder times that she talks about too, um, was just really a time to kind of bring in some of those issues without them weighing down the love story. Cause they're not really part of that. Um, but still to kind of work that into the book and uh, the book formatters, I'm sure hate me because they had to format <laughs> all these different kinds of text in the book. Um, but I, I never meet them personally, so it's fine. Uh, so I, I kind of like that multimedia approach. And I know when I, I'm married now, but like when I was dating still my husband, like getting that cute little flirty text early in the relationship is it. Like that's the, that's just the feels. And so to try to capture that in a book, because I don't know about you, but like that's, I text my husband way more than I ever call him. Like that's still how I do bulk of my communication. And so I think it's also just bringing that bit of real life into our romance novels, because that's, that's so much of the, the way that we communicate and kind of share things. And the last thing I really liked about the emails was that I wanted a way for them to fall in love with each other before they ever saw each other. But I also didn't want it to be where Wes was like, I already love you. Oh my God, you're fat. Like, I didn't want that because I don't like that. And so I kind of liked the way that they knew each other through the app and they didn't know what each other looked like, but he already knew she was like, he had her height and weight, like on the website. Cause that's just the, the program it was. And that wasn't ever like a thing for him. I don't think he ever even talks about it. Um, and I, I like that they could still get to know each other through email, through text without having seen each other, but like body size, body proportion wasn't a thing that was surprising when they did finally see each other. It's really cool to see the evolution of the relationship through the message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I haven't gone back. I, I almost never read my books after they come out, um, but I've listened to the audiobook, And so it was kind of fun to hear the narrators like 
share that and to hear kind of hear them do the voices of the the messaging like throughout I think you're the first author that come that that has come here that says you've listened to the audiobook everyone is like I don't like listening to people talking like uh, like my my words coming out of someone else's mind I feel it's weird and you're the first one that is like no I I, I listen to the audiobook <laughs> I'm a total weirdo in that. I know I love audiobooks. I spend an hour and a half okay. in the car every day commuting. And so I listen to audiobooks all the time. And it's almost like I can divorce it from me writing it when I hear other people say it. I also have had awesome narrators, so that helps. But um, Teddy Hamilton, who does Wes's voice in this one, I would listen to him read the phone book. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's easier for me to to step away from the fact that I wrote it when somebody else is reading it. So but yeah, I can't, I haven't like physically opened the book other than to do like readings. Cause I'm like, ah, I'm going to catch a typo or something. And then I'll never forgive myself. So <laughs> Can I just comment on something? Uh, the different formats, I quite like it uh, because it also made the book uh, feel more dynamic mm-hmm. while I was reading. And it kind of made the book go faster <laughs> in a way that you, you, I didn't see I was just reading, 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 and when I started, I was writing like 40%, and it was like, oh my god, I read so much today. That's impressive, because it's a long book. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it goes really quickly, because you're just like so into the story that we were just saying, like, all of us fell for the book really fast. We love that the name, the title is like so on point with that, uh, because we truly like 10% in, everybody was texting like, oh my God, I love this. I can't stop reading. <laughs> it was so crazy. Y'all are my favorite way to spend a Saturday, by the way. <laughs> uh, my agent came up with a title, so I'll pass that on to her. She came up with my next title too, I think. So she's she has the prize right now of coming up with good titles. Good titles. I love them. All right. Uh, does anyone else have more questions? Okay. You can go. Mari? Oh, I can't see because I'm in my cell phone, so I can't see others. Um, so hi. Um, hi. I'm Mariana. And yeah, I, I have just to say first that I read this book so fast. And, and, I, was, and I was like screaming and <laughs> punching my pillow. Like I was really reacting to the book. <laughs> And that's kind of new for me because sometimes I'm just in my head thinking about the book. So I, I really love it. And I want, I had a lot of, to, a lot of things to ask, but I wanted to know um, about the, the, the inspiration to put um, Brita, uh, Brita as the, the fat girl in this book and um, how you said in the introduction, and I, I loved the introduction, um, how you were saying that you wanted to put her as a fact character, but you didn't want to put um, as the same thing all of the other books did, um, like the one losing weight or the one loving herself since the beginning. And you really wanted to show the... Um, the healthy things like going to gym and everything, but not putting putting this in Britain head like I have to lose weight or anyone really saying to her like you have to lose weight. So um I really loved that. So I wanted to know um how you got this idea and how you managed to put her 
as this character and Wes as the, the character uh, to be the, the couch and the acting. Coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember how I came up with the app piece. I, I honestly don't remember. Um, I think I was just thinking of a way to get these two characters together. Like what's a way that would make sense where this fitness coach and, and I knew I didn't want them to meet right at the beginning. And so I, yeah, I should know like how that evolved, but that was like three years ago prior to 2020 and it, it's gone now. I don't remember, but, um, that, that did come pretty early on that I decided that's kind of how they would meet. Um, for Britta, um, I was trying to think what I was going to say. Um, some of that came from my own experiences. Like I've had different points where I got super into like working out and eating um, healthy foods and working with a personal trainer and not now because I'm eating Cheetos and I have some Cadbury cream egg cookies that are sitting here for when we're done. Um, and I fully intend to sit on my couch while I eat them. But um, I do remember the last time I got really into it and it started that I wanted to lose weight. That's where I started. And I was doing, I wasn't unhealthy about it or anything, but that was definitely my goal. Like that's what I was working toward. That's what I was tracking. And, and that's fine. Like plenty of people do that. Um, but I do remember the moment and like, I was in the gym, I remember. And I was still like, I'm a data person. So I was still tracking everything. Cause that's just what I like to do. But I remember the time when I was on the elliptical and the Karate Kid came on, that old movie from the 80s. And I was like, I want to watch this. But then it wasn't just like, I'm going to stay on the elliptical because it'll help me burn more calories. It was like, I think while I'm watching this, I can beat my personal best. And it was that first moment where it really, for me personally, shifted from, I want to change my body because I want to lose weight because I want to be attractive to other people to like, I want to be strong and like kick some ass. And that was such like a powerful moment that that I knew I wanted the character kind of in that headspace, like not working hard because it would make her look good, but like working hard. Cause like you get to beat that personal best. And there's a line that I love at some point Wes says she'd complain, but then she'd beat her personal best. And I really liked being part of her personal best. And that, that he sees that too is really powerful for me. Um, but I think that that's where a lot of that inspiration came from is just thinking about that moment and how powerful that could be. And, you know, while writing it truly, like I had to overcome a lot of my own stuff because even though I had that moment, it was really hard to get around like, yeah, but is it realistic that somebody wouldn't want to lose weight? Like that's so just embedded in so many of us that I had to like really work to get around that. And there were some other pieces that I remember talking with my editor about, like when she, um, she gets upset about Ben and she starts over-exercising and then she gets sick and she falls and that whole thing. Like I kind of had to fight to keep that in the book because I also wanted to show her having that weak moment, like slipping up and internalizing some of this stuff and um, learning from it, like not miring in it and not making it seem like a good thing. But I wanted to show her slipping up too, because I think that happens. Um, and so I don't know, those, those kind of things kind of came together and, a lot of that, I, I'd love to say I'm a super planful person when I write. I fall backwards into this story. So um, a lot of that kind of just comes to me as I'm writing it or as I'm editing it, um, because I know I need something to happen um, to kind of get us to the next point. 
And um, so that's where a lot of those pieces came into being, but it would be a lot easier if I could plan them in advance. <laughs> That'd make my writing a lot faster. <laughs> so I don't know if that gets to some of your question, but that that's kind of how I came up with those. Yeah, exactly those pieces. And, and Wes is kind of just a bit of trivia. Wes is in my first book, but he didn't exist in my first book. When I was writing it, I wrote this book and then I loved the character so much that I decided I wanted him in the first book. And so I went back and like figured out a way for him to kind of be in both books. So he could kind of be the bridge. That was going to be my other question. <laughs> <laughs> when you fought in doing that as a series, because I read this first and now I grabbed the the first one, How to Fair Flirting. And I, I just saw the the next book and about energy. So I I was thinking um how when you did, um decided to do a series if you was um, the first one. Well, again, kind of fell into it. Wasn't <laughs> um, I, I am not a writer by training. Um, I, I work in education. Like I always love to write, but when I started writing fiction, it's because I just had a baby and I was stressed out and I sat down to write what I thought was going to be like a little short story. And that turned into how to fail at flirting. Um, and I wrote most of Britta and Wes before we ever sold how to fail at flirting. And so I, part of it was, I never thought anybody was going to read it um, because I, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to get published. Um, and so in some ways that kind of made it easier to write, but um, uh, yeah. So a lot of this is, it, it kind of just came together, but I like the idea that books are in the same universe. Um, even if they're not a true series, like you could read um uh, the fastest way to fall without ever having read the first one and be fine and understand things. And the story makes sense, but I love my side characters. I love every single one of them. And I have stories in my head for every single one of them. And so I just kind of love the idea of, um, cause I love that as a reader. Like when I get to see a character, I already know, like, um, if you've read the first book, you get to go to Jake and Naya's wedding and like you get their whole love story and then you get to go to their wedding. And then in the next book, you see Britta and Wes, kind of planning their wedding and living their lives, um, you know, in the background of these other stories. And so I kind of just think that's a fun Easter egg as a reader. And so that's kind of where I decided to put them in the same, just in the same universe. Like some people know each other, some people don't. And some of those characters kind of move in and out. Um, but I do have like stories in my head for everybody, not Ben, um, oh, but everybody. Okay, we're fine. Dell, RJ, Cat, Claire. I've got like uh, Cord and Pearl are coming next fall. Um, yes. get their own book next <laughs> fall. That was, yeah, that was something we all were like, uh, wanting to ask because they are just... I love them so much and um, I'm writing it right now. So it's kind of a second chance romance and it takes place five years later. Um, and so they're kind of coming back together and there's a very sexy teen scene in a tent. And um, that's all I can say. Cause I haven't finished writing it yet. And it's doing it. Oh, that's going to take so long for us to read it. <laughs> oh God. Um, just going back a little bit to to your last answer about wanting to have Brita also like have some like some bad moments in her process. I loved that because like again, going back to the 
the idea that some of the plus size characters are either way too like overconfident and, or very insecure it just made her so much more real because that's everybody's process no one like just starts something and is like on a you know roller coaster that only goes up like it's it's ups and downs all the time and I loved that I loved seeing that it happened to her but she got back on her feet and kept going so just comment I, I like that too and and I tried to show that with Wes Wes as well and I also kind of like that like she's the fat character it's about her working out but if anybody like needs to be saved it is Wes like yeah. times a thousand like this child needs so much intervention and um that like his highs and lows they end happily, but not fully. Like, you know, his sister comes back into his life, which I, I love. I used to kill her off. So I'm glad I brought her <sighs> back to life. Um, but, you know, like his mom is, is dealing with addiction and some serious health issues and that doesn't really change. And so like the, the highs and lows kind of happen for all of us, but that, you know, between the two of them, her being fat is really not the biggest conflict that they run into or that either of them is dealing with. It is, you know, all of these other kind of relationship things. And so um, okay. I, I kind of like showing that in that cyclical nature. And I had some, again, very smart friends who were able to read for Wes and give me their perspectives um, based on their own experiences too. Can, Can I, I ask, ask a question? question? <laughs> I'm talking a lot today. Um, because my next question was going to be about the decision to have real consequences for the direct, especially for Greta. But I liked so much that there were, were like a real consequence for the ethical problem they had. Because in a lot of books, things get resolved for romance reasons and it all turns out perfectly happy. And I liked it so much that there were like, uh, actual tangible consequences for it and I wanted to know if it was like a conscious choice to have because we see in the end that not everything in their lives is resolved the thing that it, it, it is resolved is that they love each other and they want to be together and we believe that they are going to fight through everything together uh, but I, I quite love that they were like some real um it was conscious um because I, i've read all those books too and that you're like i don't know it's like in gray's anatomy when she like sleeps with a patient and cuts his, like that episode and then you know <laughs> she's still a doctor for romance reasons and like that for me just never quite works i also really really love like making my characters miserable like i <laughs> I love writing villains and I love like making them miserable. And so I always knew, like, I knew that that was part of the transformation was that they weren't going to end up in those jobs anymore. Um, and I think it does still end pretty happily. Like Wes makes the conscious decision to, to leave that job. And that I knew from the beginning, I knew, I didn't know he was going to be a teacher when I started writing, but I did know um, he was not going to stay in that job and he was going to kind of find fulfillment elsewhere. Um, and then Britta, I wasn't exactly sure how that was going to end, but I knew there would be consequences just because at least from what I know of journalism, that's a pretty serious breach. And like, I wanted to show there were consequences, but also that for her, the consequences were 
worth it in the end. And that idea of what we risk and why we risk it and would we risk it again, I think is interesting to think about just as like a thought experiment of, you know, if I could meet the love of my life, but it would cost my career, like, would I do it? Um, would I do it again? And not that, that those questions are in the book, but I think those are interesting to play with. And so like workplace conflict and like work and love conflict kind of always comes up in my books just because I think I'm a workaholic and I love <laughs> love stories. And so it's a natural combination, but um, yeah, so I, I did always know she was either going to be fired or quit or not get the promotion or um, something along those lines. And yeah, I, I really loved making uh, Wes and taking him out of the CEO role and making him a, a gym teacher. Like I thought that was, <laughs> that just warmed my heart and I kind of love to see it because um, I worked with pre-service teachers for a long time too. And so um, to kind of see like that route was sort of lovely. That was pre-2020. Don't know if I'd be advising him to go be a teacher today, but, um, but you know, he's already there, so it's fine. So yeah, and that, that was teacher. intentional. And, and sometimes it does work out in my books, like happily ever after for romance reasons, but I do try to bring in some of the consequences, even if they aren't like dire. Okay. Can we play the first game we have for today? It's called a trope battle. So I'm going to give you options and you have to choose your favorite between two of them the first one only one bad or love confession in the middle of a fight oh um i mean if they can be in only one bed while having a fight and <laughs> confessing love that would be ideal, but I think I would go only one bed. I am a sucker for the like titillating moment. Like, are we going to touch? I can hear you breathing. The waking up with the arm uh, wrapped around them. Oh I yeah. I love that. Scene. <laughs> um, I love but, right. I listened to that scene like multiple times. It is so good. Always so good. Um, forbidden love or faded mates? Uh, forbidden love. Definitely. Sports, romance, or royalty? Oh, um, I don't know. I actually don't read much of either. Uh, probably, probably sports romance. I read more than royalty. Second chance or unrequited love? <laughs> Oh, that's kind of a tie for me. I love unrequited, but I want, I want it to feel unrequited, but it's not actually like they both are completely over the moon for each other, but nobody knows that they are. So I love that. And second chance, I really like, as long as it's done in such a way that the first chance didn't make me hate one of them, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, depending on what the first, how the first chance ended, but I've never written second chance before I started writing Pearl and Cord. And so it is kind of fun to like play with the, the what if moments and like kind of coming back to each other. Siblings, best friend or workplace romance? Workplace, 100%. <laughs> Grampy sunshine or cinnamon roll hero? Cinnamon roll hero, because I've always said I hate grumpy sunshine, but I've learned that I don't actually hate grumpy sunshine. 
I just hate grumpy sunshine when sunshine is like um, a substitute for somebody who like doesn't wear shoes and can't tell time and is always late <laughs> and like is just like sort of a, a chaotic, per- not like their personality is chaotic, just like they're a mess. Um, and I don't think that's what sunshine has to be. But when that is the character and then the whole story is them teaching the grump how to not wear shoes and show up late. Like just the type A person in me can't handle that. I'm like, what, what if there was a book where the grump taught you how to use an Excel spreadsheet? (laughs) Um, So that's why I've always thought I hate grumpy sunshine, but I I have found some that I love. And I actually just wrote one, one of my upcoming um, novellas, if they're going to be available um, for you all um, is a grumpy sunshine that I had a lot of fun with. Oh, nice. Okay. Fake dating or marriage of convenience. I'm going to say fake dating, but I love marriage of convenience too. Like anytime people are faking it and then they're like, oh no, I actually love you. Uh, That's, I'm totally trash for that. I love it. I haven't written one yet, but not a true one, but um, it's, it's in my head because I love those. I think they're so much fun. Hate to love or friends to lovers? Hate to love. All right. Okay. That's it. Uh, You survived our <laughs> story that's coming up is totally enemies to lovers. I call it enemies with benefits um, because the first time they meet, she calls him every expletive in the book and he tells her to smile more. And um, I promise he like makes up for it times a hundred, but like they really hate each other from the beginning and then start doing things and then fall in love. Um, and so that was a lot of fun to write, but yeah, I, I'm trash. I love that. Too. I love that. I love enemies with benefits. It's always so good. Like, mm, what if we just get this out of our system and fall in love in the process? So yeah, good. in an aquarium <laughs> at a wedding. <laughs> oh, because um, RJ is a divorce attorney and she gets ordained online to perform weddings and then ends up kind of being a very popular wedding officiant. And then he used to plan events for a professional sports team and lost his job and is now kind of, um, being like a dude, bro, like I'm not going to be a nice guy anymore. Um, and is a wedding planner. And so they have to work together surrounded by love, hooking up at weddings, um, while still both of them being kind of anti-love. Oh my God. That seems perfect. I can't I it. <laughs> it was my pandemic book. So I wrote it on my couch while my kid watched Paw Patrol. <laughs> Got it. Okay. We can go back to the questions. Does anyone else have more questions? Hi, 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 yeah, um, I wrote my first book through a single point of view, and I think it totally made sense for the story in retrospect, but I was a new writer and I wasn't confident I could write from a man's point of view convincingly. Um, and so that's why that book was from the woman's point of view. And again, I think it makes sense. It fits that book. But for this one, um, I wanted to take some chances. Like I'd already written the first book. And so I always knew I was going to do it dual point of view. 
And I think that's, um, I think that's why I got so excited about writing, writing Wes at first, because he has so much going on that I couldn't have told his story from only her point of view, because there's so much that he isn't willing to tell her in the beginning. Like there's some, there's things he doesn't tell her like by the end of the book either. Um, I like to think he confides later on, but um, I don't think I could tell his story effectively because so much of him is under the surface that somebody else wouldn't see and that he wouldn't confess. And my hero in the first book, he's kind of an open book. And so the heroine kind of could tell his story um, as it related. So that I, I always knew from the beginning was going to do. And then um, I just always gravitate to writing first person. I don't know why um, I read all kinds of points of view, but I always write in first person. And it is like, it does get you a lot closer emotionally, which is what I think I like. And you can show kind of the internal thoughts as well as what they're doing. Um, but it can be heavy too, because you really kind of have to get those emotional notes, right? Cause it's not like observing them, but it's actually feeling them. And there's um, a series of books I have that I love. And one of them is called the emotion thesaurus. And you basically mm-hmm. look up like sad, happy, nervous, and it gives you like 30 things that people do when they're sad or happy or nervous or things that people are thinking. And so it's great to kind of mix up like your description so it can feel real. Um, but I think all of my books after the first one are dual point of view um, because I decided once I started writing um, from a man's perspective, I actually kind of liked it. Like it was interesting to play with like how maybe their voices were different or um, how their emotions were different or things like that. Um, and I think the men I write are definitely still men written by women. Like <laughs> the best that, kind of men. I don't know if a man would read this and be like, yes, that's me. Um, but that's okay. It's fine. Um, because it's me writing this man, how I think he should be. Um, but it is kind of fun to like get in the headspace of that different person because Britta's voice is still very much similar to mine. And, and Naya in the first book, her voice is very similar to mine. And so while I still wrote Wes, like he has a different voice, like it's kind of from a different space. And that was kind of fun to try. And, and Lear in the next book, same thing. And like I said, all my upcoming books are, are dual point of view. So they all will have that. Yeah. Yes, and, and it's like, like, like when the thinking something, and really like this, oh, I tell her this. And then it was so, okay, and you're like, I know she loves you. Why don't you know yeah. this? <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, and you, you like you, you, you base, base him, him on someone, someone that you know or, or just, just uh, about something in your, your head. head? Yeah. Um, no, he's not based on any one person I know. And that's actually true of all my heroes. Um, I've kind of taken traits from um, people I love from men I love, um, and, and woven them into the characters, but at least so far, none of my characters are based like on any one person, particularly the men, just cause I love my husband and he's not Wes. Um, <laughs> and, um, same really for my heroines, like they're kind of my voice, but they're not based on any one person. So I kind of pull things here and there. Some of my side characters are much more, um, much more closely like tied and, and related to people I know in real life. 
um, my, um, the best friend in my first book, I based on my childhood best friend and she read an early version of the book and she's like, I really like Felicia. I was like, it's based on you. <laughs> That's why you like her. Um, like, really? uh, so otherwise, yeah, I don't base my characters really on any real people. Um, just maybe more like kind of, um, traits and, and inspiration, things like that. In, in, in resume, we are, we want to know if he was, has some chance to be real with <laughs> How do we find a real Wes? Please, where? <laughs> I mean, I've already told my husband, like, if Wes becomes real, we're going to have to have a conversation about our marriage because um, there's a lot of people who want Wes, but I also want Wes. <laughs> Yeah, but I would maybe give him up for my next hero. I really love my next hero too. So, oh, okay, the bar is really high here. <laughs> it's high. It's high. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm excited for that. Okay, more questions. Do we have more questions? Uh, I was curious. Hi, I was curious about Wes Moms and. I was thinking about that addiction is not something very common, especially in romance books. So I was curious, why did you choose to talk about that? And what inspired you to talk about that? Yeah, um, trying to think back to that. Um, initially, um, I knew that his sister was gone. Um, and that he had a lot of guilt over that. And initially she had died um, as a teenager. Like when she ran away, she had actually died. And I changed that later because that was a, little, was a little too dark. There was a lot going on for Wes. Um, and so it started with that really with the sister. And then pretty quickly I had to figure out like, okay, well, why did the sister leave? And why would he still have this guilt? And so um, that's when I added the, the mother in um, and to show that relationship. And um, I made her an addict because I thought that made sense for the relationship with the sister and for Wes. Um, and then as I wrote it more, um, I think I just, I wanted to show that side. And a, a friend of mine grew up um, with a, a mother who was addicted to drugs and alcohol and, um, and some other substances. And he was talking about how like, it's bad, but it's not all bad. And that kind of stuck with me in thinking about like how he would have become the person he is. Um, and, and so then I was reading more and like talking to more people and looking at, you know, how would I show this character dealing with taking care of his mom while still having a lot of anger and resentment toward his mom, but still feeling responsible for her and guilty about the sister and, and all of that really for me tied into where he was psychologically, like at work and with Britta and in life. Um, and so that's kind of how that came together. Um, and I had to do like a lot of research and, and figure out what that might look like um, for the mom, even though we don't really get to know her very well, like we don't know her backstory. Um, but I, I kind of liked being able to show Wes as the troubled caretaker because he's angry with his mom. Like, you know, he, he gets frustrated and, but he still does it. And I think that that does come into play, like in how he deals with other people, like 
when he kind of starts fighting with Cord and realizes like he's taking this out on other people. I think it's a way for to show growth for him too. Mm-hmm. And it like makes total sense to what he built with his company, um, how he handles this, like how he feels about how Brita is going, um, going about and like through her process that he doesn't want her um, you know, to overdo it because of the things that his sister went through. So it just, it's all like just so perfectly, like everything just works so perfectly. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. And again, like I, I know a lot about Wes because I wrote him really deeply when I was forgetting to give Britta a personality. <laughs> so um, he was the character I first fell in love with in this book. And, and I think that comes through a little bit, but Um, And the happy ending with his sister, I think, is a little bit for romance reasons. That's a little unbelievable, but whatever. Like, it's still happy and it comes together. And so that's okay. (laughs) We'll take it. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, um, you know what? This is fine. I still like it. It makes me smile. And it gave the character, like, something something happy to to think about. And I just kept coming back to my friend's comment that it can be bad, but it isn't all bad. Um, and like the, the idea of him dancing, like the Whitney Houston song and dancing with his mom and sister, like in the living room and those sorts of things. Like, I kind of like how he ties to some of those. All right. Okay. We're almost up with our time. So do we have more questions, less questions or comments? And I think I shared the bonus scene with you all. Um, it's tied yeah. to my newsletter, but um, yeah, so you get a little more steamy time. I was a little, I was telling them that I was a little worried because uh, in the bonus scene, we see Pearl going to California. And I was like, wait, no, come back. Cord, Cord is here. <laughs> come back. So I was a little worried. And now that you t- told us that it's a second chance, I'm like, okay, okay, let her go. And then she will, they will find their way back to each other. It's fine. It's going to be fine in the end. <laughs> if I knew what happened other than them ending up together, I would tell you, but I don't because I haven't <laughs> But uh, yeah, Pearl and Cord have their moment and um, they come back to some elevators. And... All right. Uh, I did want to ask you about Ben, the character uh, of Ben, who is very, very terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I just hate him. Um, so how did you how did you think of him? How did you create him? What was um, you know the inspiration? Some bends in my day, um, but actually, I really it's it's not even as complicated as all that. I really thought about who is kind of the opposite. Who would Britta still fall for? That's the worst person she could fall for, and it was thinking about like the, not even the opposite of Wes, but just like, who is somebody she would still like, who seems likable and lovable, but who is actually just the worst. And I think so many of us, I hope you all don't, I definitely do have those crushes I've had on somebody who was awful, like who did not like, wasn't cruel necessarily, but just clearly was not interested in me and I was over the moon for them. Um, and so that's kind of where Ben came from. And I just tried to make him kind of sleazy and smarmy and hipstery and like his mustache oils and just kind of being <laughs> thoughtless. And so like in my first book, I had a true villain, like Davis, I think was like a sociopath. Like he was a true villain. And I don't think Ben is a true villain. I think Ben is thoughtless and then we'll get knocked on his butt by love at some point um, and probably become a better person. But I really just thought about like, 
who could be relatively inconsequential in her life, but feel very important at the moment. Um, Kelsey actually was um, more fun to write for me, who is also a villain. And I actually had a whole backstory for her that I cut out of the book because it didn't need to be there. Um, but showing more of like her and Wes's past and kind of why she is the way she is. And, and they had more like productive, like, positive interactions as like in the current timeline. Um, but I took all that out because it didn't need to be in the book. But I really love the idea of women who are villains getting their own love stories down the line. Um, because I think women sometimes get pigeonholed so much like if you are ambitious and Grant Kelsey was the worst, but like <laughs> if you are ambitious, you know, you're, you're a bitch and that is who you are and that's your role in the story. But of course, like everybody has their own story. And so in my head, I have a whole love story planned out for Kelsey um, Gretchen from the first book, like she's in my third book and you get to see her in kind of a positive light. And I have a whole story for Claire in my head. And so I don't know. I just kind of like the idea of the, the evil woman getting her own love story. And so I have that mapped out for Kelsey. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but Ben will never get his own love story. He's going to float out in the breeze. Mason might. Um, but, um, yeah, that's kind of where Ben came from. I just thought about like every jerky guy I've ever known and (laughs) rolled them into one person. (laughs) Makes total Um, sense. You know, when you were saying about a woman who are bossy or who are more, career focused or stuff yeah. like that seeing being seen more as a villain i loved in the book where when in the end of the final meeting mason is like yeah but you kind of gotta admire her and the kind of what she's like because she's so ruthless and if it was if it were a man it would be seen as like oh he's like a great uh entrepreneur or he sees like he does what he has to do for his job and it kind of gave kind of gave uh, a new light on on Kelsey because uh she she's kind of unethical towards Wes <laughs> and she does hurt him so since we're so in love with us, we kind of don't like her. No, <laughs> <laughs> I will ever give her her but, own book, but part of me wants to write something short and hot that's her and Mason yeah. running into each other. Yeah, <laughs> and awesome. uh, having yeah. a sneaky little love affair where you do learn more about Kelsey and she can express like why she feels bad about this. And maybe she can humble Mason a little bit because he's still kind of a, he's kind of a lovable <laughs> a lovable jerk, um, by the end. Um, but yeah, I, I do think about that. And my, in my next book, RJ is, and she doesn't ever soften. Like she's tough as nails and she is an attorney and she kind of, you know, takes, suffers no fools. And that never changes. Like she's that way in the beginning of the book. She's that way in the end of the book. Love doesn't change that. It's just finding somebody who is her good match. Um, and so I, I think that's kind of fun to write because, Britta is like is softer and nicer and fluffier and that's definitely not RJ and so I think as a writer it was fun to like write both sides sorry there was I think an ambulance going by here uh do you have more questions I was thinking um to ask about Kelsey um because um, I like that you put her there, or like you said, as a boss. 
and she was um, X um, uh, West X, and in the end, she was just doing that for her job and not for the feelings X uh, as her ex. Like, oh no, I want you to be with me, not with her. So I liked it that you put her there, but not feel like that aspect as them being um, fighting about him. So I liked that. So I wanted to know what, when and you, why did you choose to put um, Kelsey um, as a character? Yeah. Um, I guess I always knew uh, Wes would have an ex because um, I think with his family situation, I wanted some other kind of heartbreak that has shaped him a little bit. Um, and I knew she would run the rival app. Like I kind of just always knew that. Um, but they again used to see a lot more of, of Kelsey and kind of know about their relationship. And I actually think her desire to rekindle with him was, was genuine. Um, like she did want to maybe try something and start something, even though she had kind of this ulterior motive. But I think she's also a character that was like, can really divorce that and be like, okay, you didn't want me romantically. You wanted this other woman. I'm not going to be petty about it, but I'm still going to go for my goals. Um, I don't know if she reads like that, but in my head, that's all subtext, but in my head, that's kind of how she is as a character. Um, so I, I didn't ever really want her goal to be fighting over Wes because I don't think that she would, um, that she's a guarded enough person that she wouldn't make herself vulnerable to fight like that and to, to make, you know, a chance to kind of lose. Um, but also really her storyline is not about Britta. And so it wasn't ever that, like West has to decide on Britta, but I don't know that he's ever choosing between Kelsey and Britta. It's almost like he's choosing between being with somebody and not being with somebody. And it's kind of like, Kelsey can help me scratch an itch. Like Kelsey is there. Um, Kelsey is willing, but is it, do I want to be in love or not versus do I want Kelsey or Britta? Um, because I think the love triangle doesn't always work for me in books. Like I don't, I don't want my hero to be waffling over me or another woman. Like yeah. that should be an easy choice. Um, and so I, I wanted all of those dynamics and then I don't know, evil exes are maybe a little bit unfeminist, but I like evil exes. <laughs> I think they're a fun foil to the, the main character and like to show them how much they can appreciate their love interest and so I usually work in some kind of X just because I think it provides a good counterbalance. Perfect. Okay. Uh, can we play a last game before you go? Sure. So this is a lightning round. I'm going to ask you questions and you can... Um, Give us the first answer that comes to mind. Okay. So the first one is an easy one. What book are you reading right now? Oh, that's not that easy. Um, <laughs> I am reading like seven different books right now. Um, but I have, I'm listening to The Perks of Loving a Wallflower, mm. which is a, um, a sapphic story. And I just finished A Walk in the Park, which is a Rebecca Weatherspoon novella. And I'm reading like three other books, but I don't remember what they are. But um, those ones are on my on my um, Kindle right now. 
All right. Um, if you could only do one for the rest of your life, would you choose reading or writing? Probably writing because I could read my own writing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> um, what is your least favorite trope? Secret baby. Okay. Followed very closely by pregnancy. I have been pregnant. Don't want to read about it in a romance <laughs> novel. Um, what book made you a romance reader? Initially, I read everything that Danielle Steele ever wrote when I was like 12, which in retrospect is super problematic. I think some of those <laughs> were like Nazi romances and other like really problematic content. Um, but as an, uh, coming back to romance, it was uh, Mariana Zapata who oh. was kind of the queen of the slow burn. And I don't actually even usually love slow burns. I, most of what I write is, has a lot of, a lot of doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, but it was, um, Coolty, I think was the first one of hers I read and I've read all of hers now, but that is who really got me back into romance and contemporary romance. And, um, yeah, I, I loved her books. Colty and the Wall of Winnipeg and me are probably still two of my very favorites. I I have to get to the the Wall of Winnipeg and me because I loved Look of like so much. It's I did fall in love with that one. Dear Aaron, I really liked too, and that was epistolary. And it's like it, I I'm like you. I don't like slow burn that much, but her books are like ah, you just can't stop. It's just like delicious tension. The the when they finally get to the sex in the wall of Winnipeg, it's hot, but it's a little a little awkward and cringy, but that's okay. Like I still love that book. I like, think it's still delightful. Um okay, a book that everyone should read. Oh. Um uh, I don't know. Um well beyond my Marianne's Potter books, one of my very favorites is a Christ it's an old Christina Lauren book. It's called Dark Wild Night. And it is two nerds in love. And it, I've reread it a thousand times. I love it. I think it's delightful. And it's not one that gets talked about very much. It's never been on book talk or anything like that. But I love that book. But I think those Mariana Zapata books are great too. I am not like an old school romance reader. I didn't grow up like stealing my mom's romance novels. My mom didn't read romance. Um, and so I think a lot of the books that everybody says like, oh, you have to read this. It's foundational. I'm like, I've never read that before. Um, I don't really enjoy reading historical books in general. So a lot of those like classic romances I've never read, but that is, that I think is an amazing one. Um, just one other one and I'm blanking. It's on my shelf. Um, anything by Kennedy Ryan. Like if you like high heat and like action, her um, All the King's Men duet, there's two books, but you'll want them both. Um, it takes place over like 30 years. It's an indigenous heroine. He's a conscious or an ethical billionaire. It deals with sustainability, uh, missing and murdered indigenous women, um, politics, like kidnapping, terrorism, like it runs the gamut and it takes place over like 30 years and it is just like edge of your seat, beautiful writing, super, super high heat. Um, but everything Kennedy Ryan writes, I think is amazing. But the All the King's Men duet is fantastic. Okay, good to know. Um, do you have any book, any author whose book is an immediate buy for you? Um, Kennedy Ryan, for sure. Um, Alexis Daria. Yes. 
um, is so phenomenal. Mia Sosa, um, same thing. Priscilla Oliveras. Um, We're going to have them here. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Priscilla was my mentor when I first started writing. And so like, she's amazing. Um, but yeah, all three of them are phenomenal. Christina Lauren, I love their books. I think I own all of them. Um, there are a few others, but those are always auto buys for me. And if you could collaborate with any other romance author, who would you choose? Probably Kennedy Ryan, because mm -hmm. I just fangirl over her <laughs> unstoppable, like all the time. I got to hug her once in person and it was just like the highlight of my life. So um, I don't think my writing is quite good enough to like be on her level yet. Um, but yeah, definitely Kennedy Ryan. Love her writing, love her books. And she's just so like phenomenal as a person. Do you have a favorite book of all times? Like top one? Um, I don't. I'm like a mood reader. And so um, there's a few that are always, I always keep downloaded like on my audible, on my audiobooks or like on my Kindle. But I don't have like a favorite book of all time other than maybe um, Matilda from when I was a kid by Roald Dahl. And I think we've decided Roald Dahl was probably a bad person, but I didn't know that <laughs> at the time. So Matilda, um, is, you know, this bookish child who is going through all of these family things. And I would reread that all the time as a child. And so like long-term all time, that book is probably right up there. Okay. Other than yours, what romance would you love to see adapted? Ooh. Um, some of my favorites I think are being adapted. Um, I would love to see that um, All the King's Men duet by Kennedy Ryan would be a phenomenal film series. Uh, maybe it is being adapted. I don't know. Um, I'd love to see that. I think, um, I think Mia Sosa's are being adapted, um, but if not like the, um, the worst best man, mm -hmm. and then the, the next one that's coming out, I think would be great. Um, I don't know, basically any romance by like women of color, like let's get some, let's get a little like melanin out there um, on the, the screen. And so there's, I know there's too many to kind of name, but I just like to see more from authors of color and particularly black authors, like being put on the screen and like done good service because mm -hmm. I don't think that that is really, I don't think it hasn't happened. And there's just so many like phenomenal romances by Black authors, by Asian authors, by Latin authors, like to just get them out there on the screen and like show that. Because I think they have seen that like those can make money, those can be popular, like people will consume them. I think it's just getting them on the screen. Hopefully but we'll get more. Also they could do mine and I would be fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> that leads me to the last question. Who would you cast as the main couple of your book? Um, I actually, a lot of authors, when they write, they have people in mind or they mm -hmm. have words in front of them. I don't do that. I actually could not tell you what Wes looked like until I had to put him on the cover of the book. Because <laughs> um, sometimes he was white, sometimes he was multiracial, sometimes he was blonde, sometimes he was brunette. Like, I really don't, I like to picture different things when I'm a reader. So I don't describe my characters very much in the books. But I think um, Lizzo or Michelle Buteau um, could both be great Britas. They're both probably maybe a little old, but that's okay. And then um, for Wes, 
There's a TikTok. Um, I think I could safely say he's a thirst trap TikTok. Um, <laughs> but he um he looks like I can put a link here. The artwork I had commissioned, like he looks like so this. beautiful. This illustration is amazing. Oh my gosh, Liz Parks is so all her phenomenal. illustrations I, are so great. I love her, and um, she did one for my first book too. But yeah, that was, so he kind of looks like that. Mm-hmm. I can drop a link to his TikTok. It's all just shirtless thirst traps. <laughs> um, but that's who I think kind of fits Wes in this iteration. I I kind of have a problem that. A lot of times I kind of don't really get into the description and I just picture someone in my head without, you know, yeah. taking into account whatever the description was. And for some reason, I don't <laughs> know why. I don't know if you guys have watched it, um, Chicago Mad, that um, TV show. I don't know if it's still on or not, but it, it used to be um, on, I don't know. NBC or something there was a guy uh I think his name is Colin something um I don't know but Wes was him for me (laughs) I don't know why I don't know that if the description fits like his uh appearance but that was Wes and I pictured him and just became he became Wes in my mind um which makes no sense but that's, that's okay though. Like that's <laughs> like the most fun thing about reading. Like I just again, I sort of ignore whatever the author tells me the person looks like. And I dropped a link to the TikTok um of <laughs> okay. a guy, like his face is who I kind of thought of here. I think this guy's probably cockier than Wes is, but that's okay. He's fun to look at. Um <laughs> his content is interesting. He's a fitness guy. But um I usually do that too. Like I just I picture somebody else. I picture who I want to picture when I'm reading the character and and usually my editor's notes are like, uh, what color are their eyes? What color are their hair? How tall are they? I'm like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> so sometimes I have to add those things. But um, it, Pearl and Cord are really the, actually the only characters that I've had a picture of kind of who they are up on my bulletin board. Um, and so writing them has been kind of interesting because I kind of know what they look like. Oh, nice. All right. I guess that's it. I don't know if anyone else has any last comments to share or any last questions thank you so much Denise it was so great talking to you again we are all deeply in love with this book thank you for writing it and we're really excited for the next one thank you and now hopefully um I don't know if you're on my Facebook reader group but I'm sure I'll be dropping like some excerpts or something from it soon and Um, once we get through the novellas. So thank you all so much for having me and have a wonderful rest of your Saturday. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bom, é isso. Eu espero que vocês tenham curtido esse bate-papo. Eu espero que vocês tenham se divertido tanto quanto a gente. E eu espero vocês no próximo encontro. A gente vai ler vários títulos incríveis ainda nesse primeiro semestre. E a lista de livros para o segundo semestre já está sendo montada e está incrível. A gente vai ter uma promoção em breve, comemorando o primeiro aniversário do clube. Então, fique ligado nas nossas redes sociais para não perder essa chance. Happy readings and I'll catch you next time. Música